You're listening to The Loyalty Minute, the show that helps you build better customer loyalty and more valuable user engagement with your host, Rob Gallo. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of The Loyalty Minute. This is episode 116. I'm your host, Rob Gallo, and today I'm super eager and excited to chat with Leanne Johnstone. Leanne has been in the affiliate marketing industry as almost as long as I have. Uh, she has a media and training business for over two decades. She helps brands launch, scale, and grow successful affiliate programs. Welcome to the show, Leanne, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm super excited to have this conversation all about loyalty with you. So before we get into loyalty, we're going to talk gaming. We're going to talk game. Before we hit the record button, we talked about the gaming industry and, and how exciting it is. Especially in new new times right now, what's happening in the U.S. But you've got the European market. You've been doing what over there for the last two decades? So I started in uh, digital marketing two decades ago, as you said. So thanks for mentioning that. Long, long time ago, um, before the likes of Google, and um, it's been a really wild ride. So here, over, over here in Europe, in the UK, uh, there's been a lot of advancement. So I remember sitting around the table with like ten other people in a room at the Internet Advertising Bureau's offices in in London, going, "So we're working in this performance model, and we need to kind of set some rules and boundaries," and um, since then, you know, it's become incredibly complex. So, you know, there's networks, there's agencies, brands that are taking programs in-house. And, and you mentioned the gaming industry. I mean, I used to work way back, you know, pre-2006 before gaming was, um, you know, pre-regulated in the US. And there was a lot of money in this industry. We, we were placing, you know, millions of dollars a month in ad placements and, you know, trying to reach customers and testing different channels. So it's been a wild ride. Um, the best thing I I think that that we have done well here is to regulate um, and, and we're seeing that roll out now in the US as well. So, you know, different states have got different rules, different ways of working um, and people are really, you know, bringing this industry together to provide really great entertainment, but also regulated, controlled measures to safeguard customers as well and to make sure that people can enjoy the entertainment form that's there um, without you know, the negative impacts or connotations that are associated to it. So I think the industry's come a long way. Um, it's been a wild ride. We've learned a lot of lessons as we've moved through and improved the way that we market and, and communicate with our customers, but also how we've engaged our customers. So for me, it's been an interesting channel. It's something that I'm constantly learning in. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to see how the future of the internet develops, um, especially now as we're looking at things like crypto and blockchain chain. Um, you know, for me, that's the third iteration of the internet and I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And, and you know, it's too, um, obviously during, from our transition back in the day when it was desktop, when I started in 97, people had to download the software in order to play in the casino. And it would take two and a half hours to download just blackjack and maybe three slot machines, right? Could you imagine waiting two and a half hours to download something? But uh, You've got 400 games or 450 games at your fingertips that you can go and explore and play. I mean, I remember the days when we used to do CD mail drops. Yeah. Prior to the days when there was GDPR and, you know, other compliance measures that have been put in place. So we really have come a very long way in this industry. And I think as a digital marketer, I was lucky to get into the gaming industry because it has been one of the 
uh, most um, forward thinking in terms of adopting digital. So the move from physical into digital and, and how that transition happened and the psychology behind how they connect with customers and where and how often they connect with customers. Because that transition from, you know, walking into a casino on the Vegas Strip and having your entertainment for the weekend or, you know, however often you could visit to actually having that in your home and accessible at any time, that was a huge mind shift change. So, you know, if, if there are younger listeners listening to this, that was before the world of mobile phones. Yeah. Now yeah. everything's on mobile phones. I mean, Absolutely. for one of my other businesses that I was mentioning before we hit the live, uh, record button, uh, mm. 78% of all the people that visit are on a mobile device, which, which is, is, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's crazy. Okay. Because you, you've gone from desktop, which is a certain kind of like, you know, screen length, to tiny little, you know, very powerful mobile phone in your pocket, which is just like a computer. And the user experience has transitioned very quickly as well. Um, and, you know, I talk about some of these things in terms of like SEO, for example, and how people search online and how, how our attention spans have got a lot less. You know, you know, we, we'd be happy to watch a five minute video 10 years ago. Now you're lucky if it's 30 seconds, thanks, thanks to TikTok. Yeah. And we begin to swipe very quickly. So, you know, keeping your customer engaged with your brand or your product or your service um, and then the entertainment experience that you're trying to get them to enjoy. I mean, we've had to become incredibly innovative. Yeah. Well, the the premise of the show that we do here is loyalty, customer loyalty, brand loyalty. So let me ask you this question first, Leanne. What does loyalty mean to you as a consumer? And if you could think of a brand that you might be loyal to and why in the form of like a story, you know, a specific iteration, that would be a great help. The easiest one that comes to mind is actually the one that happens in my house every day. So I am a Coca-Cola fan. And, and to be specific, I'm a Coke Zero fan. Okay. But the rest of my family like full fat, full sugar. And so there's a, and, and some of them also don't like Coca-Cola at all. They like Pepsi or Pepsi Max. Now, to me, there's a very distinct flavor difference, but there's also a brand affinity that Coca-Cola has built. And it's one of the best examples. I mean, the other example that I always like to give is, is Red Bull. Like, why do people drink that drink? It's not because it tastes great. It's because of the brand affinity that they've built around it and the things they associate with. And of course, that fabulous strap line, Red Bull gives you wings. So they've almost conditioned their customer to believe in the story that they're giving. And to me, that's what loyalty is. Loyalty is not something that can be purchased it can be incentivized but it's actually a feeling that you have an affinity that you have to a product a service a brand whatever it is that you're that you're that you're talking about and i think where marketers have become very clever and, and they and they talk about this in the kind of tobacco industry as well where way back in the 60s when marketing first came into the into the foray you know the stories that they used to tell us in the ad campaigns they weren't even true they weren't even factual and yet people used to follow all of that stuff so i think we've had a long journey with loyalty and 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 figuring out how to trigger those um you know feelings and emotions with customers to get them involved and to actually keep them you know coming back for more with whatever it is that you you know promoting or selling yeah so I, I, from what I hear you say, Leanne, it's an emotional connection to the brand that keeps you coming back. And that emotional connection has been fostered by the product or platform or whatever it is itself, the brand. 
in order to have you feel that that affinity towards and, and the affinity comes in two ways. It comes in the messaging and, and the emotive feeling that you solicit from your customer. It comes from the rewards that that customer gets from remaining loyal to you. So that could be anything from points to prizes. And I think in more recent years, I've seen more innovation with loyalty in terms of gamification. So where there's an incentive to go and do something or to share something, especially now with the advent of social media. And I mean, you know, you and I have been around a long time. 20 years ago when we started, there was no Instagram or WhatsApp or any of these wonderful things. Um, and I think we've learned as marketers how to bring all of those tools and platforms into our process of educating the customer to remain loyal. Hmm. It's very true. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a product of the technological innovations to get people to think about your brand in different ways. The other thing that I find interesting too is a lot of brands, and for those listeners out there that are thinking, how can I do this with my brand? There's a there's a psychology that says, these are the types of people who use this brand. And yes. if you fit yourself into that bucket of, I'm an attorney, I should be using LexisNexis. That's LexisNexis' powerful marketing tool to say that other people like you do this so you should do this too and that's where niching is very important i know here in europe we say niching but niches customer niches are incredibly important because if you're getting those niches wrong and you're rewarding them with the wrong loyalty or aspirational messaging or incentives or points or rewards or whatever you want to you know use in your loyalty mechanic um, it could be a complete and utter disaster because you're not actually resonating with what the customer needs and wants. And you, and I'm very like keen about talking about the fact that we are moving out of the spray and pray tactics as marketers, where we have a one size fits all loyalty program. And I'm sure you can comment on this a lot with, you know, the years of experience that you've had in loyalty. But I don't believe that we can be lazy enough to foster loyalty with customers by putting them all into the same bucket. And and gaming used to do that quite a lot. We say, oh, we want to target males over the age of 25 for sportsbook. Well, between 25 and 65 is a very different demographic. Yeah. And what works for a 25-year-old is not going to work for a 65-year-old who wants to go to the horses every weekend and just, you know, has the pastime. So, you know, we, we, we simply can't think about loyalty as a one-size-fits-all program anymore. No, I, I, I totally agree. That said, you think about red bull and their target market and using the tagline that's a little bit different but if you think about creating personas for the different types of demographic and psychographic that you're looking to attract and retain as a new customer and then a repeat customer which you know i've said this a million times on this podcast it's it's six times more cost effective to ex can retain an existing customer than it is to go out and get a new one so that said you need to think about existing customers in such a way of how to create the customer journey along the path that you want them to, to get to the end result of them being a, a you know, a high value lifetime customer. And, and obviously you have to have a product that's worth it. But the, the point is, is that uh, when you think about the demographic and psychographic, here's an example, Foxwoods Casino. My wife and I, when we lived in New York, we'd go to Foxwoods Casino and we'd spend a couple of days there. She would be playing slots. I would be playing poker. Three or four days later, we get home. We're going to get a six by nine mail piece of mail like this that is saying for me, the one that's addressed to me says, here's our poker tournaments coming up next month. 
Mm. It's going to say, here's the best slots at at the the hottest slots and the new slot tournament, blah, blah, blah. So it's speaking to the customer as you know them without getting too creepy, which is kind of the whole retargeting thing now, you know, that that happens when you're you're looking for something on Amazon and all of a sudden you see it everywhere. You're everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. So it's it's tracking you. It's following you. But the uh, point is, is that the customers who are going to be uh, a value to your brand are going to be in their persona, their, their container, keep them there, right? And people used to say to us when, in the casino business, when we had someone that was playing blackjack, they, you know, they would say, well, why don't you try and get them in the slots? It doesn't really convert that way. It's not the same type of person. It's not the same mentality. There would be some crossover, but we would come out with, a slot variation for those slot players or a blackjack variation, Spanish 21. This is, you know, these are things that people like you also like, right? You know, now you see it at the bottom of Amazon all the time. But yeah. um, so let me ask you this. What, uh, Leanne, in your business, uh, the digital marketing space, from a business standpoint, what is it that you guys do that's different to create loyalty to your organization? from the people who use your service? Mine's quite simple because if we don't deliver results, we don't retain our clients, <laughs> number one. So on the agency side, it's it's also about being, like a lot of the feedback that I get from clients that work with us and, and our tenure is quite long. So first of all, the way that we pitch is different. Uh, we take a very humanistic approach. So some agencies will look at um, numbers. They'll, they'll just want to throw you dead with the testimonials and the numbers that they've delivered. We don't really see actively sell. And I guess that's also like, I'm immune to sales. I'm immune to that, you know, like sell me everything. I've got traffic, all of that. You know, I've been in the industry too long. So I don't want to be pitched at, I want to be collaborated with. And so I guess for us and the customers that we attract, we attract like-minded people that want to work with a company that thinks of them as a human and not just another number on the books. So we've built our entire pitch process to be very deep. We give a lot of information and we make sure that when a customer signs on the dotted line, they know what they are getting. They understand the timeframes that it's going to take for success to happen. And they are with us on that journey every step of the way. So there's a very personalized approach that we are able to take in our business. Now, every, you know, businesses that sell on mass that that's not going to work for them uh, you know it works for us because we're a certain size organization size and and we enjoy being you know very personal with our clients and that's not to say that you can't automate certain stuff you can and still give them a personalized experience with all the wonderful marketing tech tools that we have but i think for me it's about being authentic it's about making a human connection with the business that you want to partner with or work for and it's about keeping that messaging authentic. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier where you said, you know, you, you segment your customer base and you offer them different things that are relevant to them. So you, you want to know about poker, your wife wanted to know about slots. The problem with that is, is that <clears throat> prior to you coming to that casino, what did you see that made you get there? And did that message actually have the same resonance? No, probably didn't. And and that's the disassoci- that's the disconnect that happens in the user journey right now. And especially in the affiliate space. Like if you aren't making sure that your affiliates are pushing that message out there in the buyer awareness part where when the customer is still searching for where they want to go and deposit and wager and you know spend their time and their money. 
and they eventually get to you at some point because ultimately they will convert and deliver. But then they have a completely different message from the business. They can, they're not going to trust that brand and therefore loyalty is going to be harder to build. And you yourself just said, was it 6, um, you know, 6% or whatever? Six times that, more cost effective. Times more cost effective to retain a client that already buys into your brand. Yeah. So we need to focus like acquisition and retention needs to come a lot closer together, whereas before they were almost like in silos. What we did once the customer was converted is very different to what we're doing to get the customer in. And I think that messaging needs to be more clear to make loyalty a little bit easier to accomplish. Hmm. So what you're saying then is the loyalty needs to start at the new customer acquisition standpoint, not necessarily the retention standpoint, because that messaging needs to work all the way through. Thinking about that Foxwood example, it's a good point. I don't really know. I mean, I guess at the time there was only one. Now there's two. Mohegan Sun is also there, and now they just opened up in Boston. I know a lot of players that uh, from Long Island and where we were would take the ferry up and go to Boston as opposed to you know, just going to uh, Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods. But at the time, I think it was the only game in town, roughly saying, you know, it was between that and and Mohegan. And I can't think of, now that you mention it, Leanne, I can't think of a specific reason that they would have spoke to me differently than my wife. But, you know, it was the full gamut of knowing what a casino is that, I guess, made the difference, you know. But in your case, let's say you have a, a client. So let me ask you this, Leanne, do you have clients that you work with in different verticals, right, that you manage for? And do you help your clients discern the difference between their marketing messages pre and post new customer acquisition? Yes, I talk about it all the time. Um, and and so on, on the business side where we manage other people's programs, so in the agency, we build that affinity one-on-one. But prior to that, because we also have we also speak to thousands of digital and affiliate marketers around the globe, whether they're working at agencies, networks, um, in-house, like we give a lot of free content and advice um, on webinars. I'm constantly posting on LinkedIn and I, and we have this give, give, give and only then ask mentality because while I'm giving really useful information, while I'm sharing things that I'm learning, while I'm talking about my area of expertise, which is affiliate marketing, I'm bringing those people on that journey with me. And they're constantly seeing regular touch points from me of simple tactical advice to the point that, and 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 I've only run my business for three and a half years now. We've only been in existence for three and a half. I've been around for 20 years, but my business has been around for three and a half years. If I stick out an event on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm running a webinar, we can get 250 to 500 people sign up on that webinar without me spending a single cent in digital marketing to promote it. Not a single cent. Why? Why have I been able to do that in three years? Because I've been consistent in my messaging. I've been consistent in my quality. And I've provided the same experience no matter whether they come to a free event, a paid event, whether they're paying me agency fees. What you see is what you get. Mm. And that is how loyalty is built because it's about trust. That's about trust. Yeah. And it, it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. You're offering more value that a consumer, and in this case, as a consumer, it could be a brand, says to you or to themselves, you know, Leanne really over delivered. And 
I think there's value in continuing to follow her and her advice because I see the results of what it is that she does and the actionable items. So let's let's actually ask what what sort of actionable advice could you give right now to listeners who are struggling to help retain existing customers? So not not attract. Let's just say retain. So what sort of actionable advice could you give right now that our listeners could implement to retain more customers? So one of the things that I always find is, you know, people tend to get tunnel vision because they, they're focused on working in their job. They're focused on doing the, you know, doing the same campaigns, doing things over. They kind of get into a, a model where they're not on purpose, but they're actually like assuming that they know what their customers need and want because they maybe, you know, run a series of campaigns over a, a period of time and things can become bland. You know, when, when you're in the same role for two, three years, whatever, you, you can sometimes start relying on the stuff that's always worked. And the biggest mistake with that is that, A, it becomes stale for your customer, but, B, you, f- you actually forget about what the customer's needs and wants are because they also change over time. So my biggest piece of advice to anybody listening to this is stop what you're doing and ask your customers what is important to them, what they value and what they actually want from remaining as a customer, a long-term tenured in your business. Because I think you'll find that what, what you get back when you take a moment to ask might actually not be the same thing that you're trying to produce or deliver. True. Very true. Yeah. Well, again, Leanne, we could talk about this forever, but I know, uh, you know, the average uh, attention span of our listeners is 20 minutes max because they're listening on their break or whatever the case may be. Um, So before we wrap this up, if someone wants to get in contact with you, Leanne, what's the best way they could do that? I permanently hang out on LinkedIn. And if you send me a LinkedIn message, I am actually answering those emails. So people ask me that all the time. How do you answer all of the messages that you get on LinkedIn and email every day? That's kind of my job. My job is to connect with people and to talk to people. So either drop me an email or get get hold of me on LinkedIn, message me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help and advise. Great. Great stuff. Well, Leanne, again, I want to thank you for your time and your valuable insights. I think our listeners definitely will uh, will say they enjoyed the show. Uh, speaking of that, if you are a listener of the show and you think you got value from it, please do share. This is how we grow. Uh, you could also give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast streaming service. To listen to this and uh, other Loyalty Minute episodes, please visit theloyaltyminute.com. Thanks again, Leanne. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for your next edition of the Loyalty Minute.